Okay, Scott, I have a very important question for you. Yeah. Do you think that it's obnoxious to use the word film? Oh, I think it depends on <clears throat> the context. Uh-huh. When is it okay to to say film? If you're writing a paper. Okay. Or in a class or at a festival. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> Does it matter what movie you saw? Like, for example, I wouldn't say if I saw The Sandlot, I wouldn't be like, oh, I saw this great film, you guys. It's uh-huh. called The Sandlot. Uh-huh, right, yeah. No, that's a But movie. if I saw, like, I don't know, The Meyerowitz Chronicles, mm-hmm. that's not what it's called. The, the Meyerowitz, Meyerowitz Stories. Stories, new and selected. New and selected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the name. Yeah, then I then I might say film, but maybe not. Sure, or, what or do you think? If, if I was seeing, or if I'm talking to uh, like some real hipsters. Yeah, if I was gonna see, uh, the Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. Yeah, you can't call not, that a that's movie. That's not a movie. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a film. But I feel like you're always safe saying movie. Yeah, but um, one thing, if you're kind of listing things that you like. I guess you can say movies. I like movies. But here's the thing, though. I I sometimes do say film. I like film. Because everybody likes movies. Everybody. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people will say, oh, I love movies. Oh, I'm... People will even say, I'm really into movies. And what they mean is... I saw Despicable Me and it was super funny. Yeah. And like... The Truman Show is like the most deep, you know, movie they've ever seen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which I really like The Truman Show quite a Mm -hmm. bit. But it's not like they don't venture into kind of, yeah, other. Right. What's the word? Film is. They don't venture into like other countries' uh, cinema or different narrative styles. Cinema. If you want it, uh, cinema is one step above film, maybe. Yeah. Well, as far as as far as hoity toitiness, yeah, and they say that cinema encapsulates more than just the the piece itself. Piece that's really high. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great piece! Or the text, referring to the text. Uh, yeah, meaning just the script. No, meaning meaning or the, what it's based the on the movie. No, meaning the movie. So you can refer. Why would you call it text? It's like a. It's like an academia thing you could say if you if you look at the text of Howl's Moving Castle it just means if you look at Howl's Moving Castle the movie if you just look at the content of (laughs) it it's just because academia people like to obfuscate things yeah oh man we're we're getting in there (laughs) okay here's here's another here's another vocab Ah. for this movie that we watched today Mm -hmm. the main character is very Mercurial. Mercurial, yeah, I would say so, for yeah. sure. Definitely Howl. Yeah. So we watched Howl's Moving Castle. You might even say... it. So if you know anything about Howl's Moving Castle, you, well, you've you probably seen at least some images, um, like uh, the poster or something, of this castle that... It doesn't really look like a castle. It looks like a big... Goblin hulking chicken. Yeah, like like a steampunk, big old thi- chicken house. Chicken house, but it has like 
it has structures on top of structures on with all this metallic things and um anyway you could definitely say that that represents that that how that how it lumbers around and meanders around the hills outside of the uh village there of mm-hmm. market chipping is the name of the village ah. um represents howl the character mhm how he's always uh how he's running away from his problems yep he's running away from his problems and he's kind of a mess yeah right it's kind of slapped together mm-hmm. N- yeah which is interesting because he considers himself very beautiful yeah yeah it's it's it represents howl's inner self yeah yeah and the transformation of the castle represents at the end the transformation the, of yes because at the end it's like a flying mm-hmm. prettier castle yeah yeah cool so that goes along with what I, I would say that this movie is about uh maturation oh yeah wait wake up uh, hey hey nibblers wake up guys we're talking to you <laughs> okay sorry we forgot to do our we forgot to wake them up. Yeah, they probably missed all that. Yeah, but that I- intro, good news. Their though, subconscious heard this it. This is a podcast, so pause it. it, go back, uh, and list re-listen yeah. now that you're awake, and then start from here. Yeah, and and the second time you hear us say "wake up," we uh, invite you to wake up consciously to a new level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is uh, just. Because this is a woke podcast. This is a bonus. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a a bonus invitation. If you want to go back a third time, mm-hmm. you can do it. And the third waking uh, would maybe be spiritual. Yeah, go for the transformation. And then the third time, you can listen to all the hidden um, hidden messages and double meanings that we've laced through through the intro. Yeah, mm-hmm. but absolutely under no circumstances should you listen to it backwards. Um. Just don't do it. Do not listen to it backwards. Okay. I, I feel like we have to have a certain amount of nonsense before we get into anything of substance. Yeah. Before we before tradition. we discuss film. Yes. Okay. Let us let us discuss the text Howl's Moving a Castle. This yes. is a beautiful piece. Sound speeds. <laughs> um yeah, what so sorry, before well, well, what did, were you saying before I interrupted? <clears throat> um, no, that uh, that it's about maturation. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The overall, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I noticed that while a lot of Miyazaki's films are about um, the innocence and goodness and and courage and creativity of children and youth and and childhood you know transforming someone or or solving some problem mm-hmm. this is about the wisdom like you were saying this is about the wisdom of old age and maturity yeah and transforming and someone it focuses <coughs> on the negative aspects of youth if anything yeah um so let's let's do a brief rundown of the plot let's do a um a synopsis. synopsis yeah a synopsis, synopsis. 
Let's do a synopsis. synopsis. Um, but let's be quicker about it because I feel like every time we do a synopsis, we're like, "All right, let's do this very quickly," and then we end up talking about like every we just scene. say like everything that happens. Okay, well, do you want to? I'll how do. do we wanna... I'll do the first. I'll do the first. Uh, the first act. Okay, and then you do the second, and I'll do the third. So, um, there's a lady, a girl, a girl really. She's like young, like eighteen or something, okay. named Sophie, and she's kind of like uh, down on herself. She's like, oh, look at plain Jane me. No one really, you know, would want to have anything to do with me. Uh, and then she gets um, involved in this wizard because she lives in a world with wizards it's kind of a steampunk reality uh with wizards and witches and flying machines um and this uh and then one of the wizards enemies curses her um to kind of get back at the wizard uh and the curse is such that she becomes an old lady um and she goes off to uh, find the wizard to help her kind of reverse the curse. Yeah. So Sophie, now in the body of an old lady, goes away from her village and goes into what's called the waste. The mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just kind of the wilderness or the, the mountains, the wild. And the uninhabited. It's uninhabited, but... That's where the wizards and the witches and the sorcerers roam. And she runs into uh, Howell's moving castle, which um, she's everyone kind of knows about who Howell is. And he's this... Very famous wizard. He's this famous wizard, and he's famously kind of a, um, a lady killer. And a bit mercurial. I would definitely say he's... We learned that he's mer- mercurial. Um What's a good word for like a ladies' man? Like oh, a well, that's a new vocabulary vocabulary word. We should probably define it because I only learned it two days ago, and then I thought it applied to him. Oh, it yeah. means someone who uh, changes their mind a lot and is kind of like uh, temperamental or like you know moody. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and but what's another? You you have a really good word for. What's like a guy who's like a ladies' man? You taught it to me. Oh, a, lether- a lothario? Yeah, he's a lothario, wouldn't you say? Yeah, apparently he's more of one in the book uh-huh. um, than in the movie. <coughs> I read something that says that he's kind of a, a, a womanizer in the book, yeah. uh, but they don't go into it much in the movie. No, they do. In the, because they m- a little bit. There are a few references to like, watch out, if you're a pretty girl, he's going to break your heart. Yeah, and he's going to, yeah. you know, up in... Like he's gonna woo you and and leave you. Woo you and yeah, I was trying to find blew you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so uh, blah, blah, blah. she goes into his castle, and and I'm gonna try and and speed this along. Yeah, you're starting to slow down and get too detailed. <laughs> she goes into his castle and learns about him. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. He's mostly hanging out, but he's trying to avoid life. He's he's not getting himself into any real relationships or anything. The um 
king of the land wants to recruit him for his army because there's a war going on and he wants to avoid that because he's afraid and he's he likes to be in his room and sulk. Okay, and he, pause. Yeah. I would agree that he is trying to avoid life, but there is a very strong plot line in the movie uh, that he cares very much about the war. He does. And he's very Se- against the war, and he goes out and fights the secretly, and stuff. secretly without you know. It's any, almost the only without thing anyone that he knowing. About. He goes into a portal, a secret portal, sometimes, and he turns into a flying monster. And he goes and he tries to undermine this war. He doesn't have a side. He just goes and tries to stop the war. Yeah. Um, what do you mean secretly without anyone knowing? So, without a, he has out. a portal that goes to different places, and no one knows where he goes and what he does when it go when the portal turns to black. Oh, I feel like they do know though. The, well, the they people find in out. the castle, they kind of know. I mean, he comes back like all bloodied and stuff. <laughs> like, what else is he doing? But I thought that was part of his uh, charm is that he's he's humble about that. Hmm. You yeah, know what maybe. I'm saying? Yeah. He's like a pretty boy with a heart of gold. Uh-huh. Anyway, right, he's not playing up the fact that he's this, you know, that he's going out risking his life to no. save innocent villages. Yeah, it, it, if anything, it seems kind of like weighty to him. It, it it doesn't feel like he yeah, thinks he's all cool or he's noble for doing it. He's just kind of like, "Uh, I have to do this because war sucks. Right. Which is, yeah. Kind of, which makes me, I think, respect him a little bit more. But he is very immature. For example, when the king uh, summons him to try and recruit him to help out with the war, he doesn't go because he's scared. And Sophie goes instead. Sophie um, it stays in the castle by um, offering to be the h- housekeeper. She doesn't offer. She just says, I'm the new housekeeper. Yeah. Um, she's really cool and tenacious, and we can talk more about her character. But um, anyway, long story short, um, the king doesn't... The king's, I should say, magical sorceress of the land lady, she doesn't like how he's undermining the war and doesn't want to fight on their side. And so... And so they, uh, she sends her henchmen to uh, to attack the uh, Sophie's home village because she knows that he cares about Sophie a lot, and this makes him even madder. And every time he turns into this flying beast um, to end the war, it's harder for him to turn back into a human, and uh, everyone's cursed. And in the end, let me let me wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up. <clears throat> So, in the end, it turns out that, uh, it turns out that as a boy, Howell kind of um, gave up his heart in order to have more power and freedom. Uh, in the form of, uh, he like bound his heart to this fire demon called Calcifer, uh, which stopped it at, at at maturing. So he he. From then on out, his body grew and his mind grew, but his heart stayed that of a child. And so he stayed kind of temperamental and 
we just wanted to do whatever he wanted and not take on responsibility and stuff. Um, that was resolved by Sophie figuring that out by seeing his past in like this dream world type thing that she went into. Uh, and so she saved him from dying. Was he about to die? From he was he was yeah, uh, he so. had turned into the the flying monster for maybe too long, and uh, and he was on death's door. It seemed like, uh, and so she took Calcifer and she put him back into his chest mm-hmm. and uh, freed Calcifer and gave him his heart back. Yeah. So that's how that storyline wrapped up. Um, the evil. Well, not really evil, maybe evil, kind of ambiguous uh, sorceress lady that um, was uh, the the king's sorceress lady, Sol- Solomon, Suleiman. Mm-hmm. Her storyline wraps up by... She just decides to end the war. Yeah, she says, uh, oh, looks like the game's up. Like she was playing a game the whole time. I'm not really sure what her motivations were, but we'll get into that. Uh, and then the Witch of the Waste, her storyline, uh, who is like sort of the enemy of of Howl, the one that cursed Sophie. Um, it seems like she, well, Solomon kind of strips her of her powers and makes her old and senile-ish. Which, I don't know, I guess maybe kind of leveled her out a bit. Because she still seemed a little bit greedy in her uh, as an old lady, but mm-hmm. not as much. Yeah. Because she was kind of out of it mm-hmm. um and then turnip head uh j- needed a kiss and he turned into he was the missing prince all along that we i think we heard about i think we heard like someone in the background maybe in the very beginning say the prince is missing from the castle or something like that uh-huh yeah like they might have set up that there is a missing prince somewhere yeah but it kind of comes out of nowhere at the end of the movie that mm-hmm. this the the scarecrow guy is actually a prince that needed a kiss, mm-hmm. and that's and that's it. And Sophie ends up kind of uh, they don't go into the details of her curse or why it was lifted or like partially lifted because her hair is still gray. But it seems like from from how uh, throughout the movie she would revert back to her younger self in certain scenes. It seems like it was, it was when she had self-confidence in herself, but when she went, reverted back to her self-defeating kind of disposition from the beginning of the film, where she was like, plain Jane old me, no one likes m- me, you know, everyone likes my younger, prettier sister, all that kind of stuff. She would go back to being old. But when she was confident, she would become young. Yeah, but old Sophie was confident. Yeah, so that's why people online are confused about the curse. Like people have different ideas of the specifics of the curse, but they never explain the specifics. And maybe you're not really supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, but there's got to be some solution. I I don't I don't think Miyazaki would just not put any thought into it. Like there's got to be some reason why she in certain scenes she becomes young. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can talk about that. Hmm. But that's basically it. That's the. It's it seems like it's, it's when a little she's bit of a mess of a plot. Youthful wonder. That's what it seems like to me, mm. or something like that. But what about in the scene where she's confronting Suleiman, mm-hmm. and sh- she turns young when she's like defending him and saying like, "Oh, I think it's when she's in love with Hal. That's when she turns back to her." 
Oh, she's self. she's thinking about how much she loves him and admires him. Yeah. 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 Because in those if nothing else, because in those moments it would be it would just feel weird for an old lady to be lusting after this young man. Yeah, I guess when in doubt with a Miyazaki film, it's probably love. Uh huh. Yeah. Here's how I would. I just realized how I would summarize this film in in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Someone who's who is stunted in their maturity is fixed up by someone who is who someone who is who is stunted in their maturity because of a a curse is is helped by someone whose maturity is prematurely like advanced by a curse. Yeah. So his maturity is stunted and Sophie's maturity is like progressed because she's all of a sudden an old wo- old woman and they and she helps him. They balance each other out almost. Yeah. But it's not just the curses. I feel like it's also innate in their characters like he he chose his curse. Right. Because he wanted to be stunted. Like he knew the risks going in. And she, even before she was cursed, seemed kind of older than her. Like she was eighteen, but she definitely seemed older. Yeah. But then when she when she's cursed and she's in the body of an old woman, she says, "It's nice being old because you're not afraid of anything." And that was yeah. that's what was cool about her character throughout the whole film. She was never afraid of anything. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and so neither of us have read the the book. Uh, which apparently is very different from the movie, but I did order it on Amazon, but it's getting here in a few days. The book was written by Diana Wynne Jones in 1986, mm-hmm. uh, a British author, right? Yeah, it's British. Um, uh, but I I read. I tried not to read any spoilers of the book because I do want to read it. I hear it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but apparently in the book she, um, she enjoys being old. That's sort of a big plot point mm. is she feels more natural being an old lady. Oh, and well, and also in the book, she's actually a witch herself with magical powers. Yeah, she 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 kind of discovers her powers or something. Uh-huh. But but the book is so different from the movie that it's almost a different story. It's like they're 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 related. They're similar stories, but they're so divergent that there's from not what really I read much. in the book uh, about the book. There's this interesting thing where Sophie is a, is an old lady for Howell, this erratic mercurial wizard, and um, and Howell is like courting How Howell is courting her sisters, trying to like get her sisters to fall in love with him, and so she's in this kind of awkward place because she wants to spare her sisters the heartbreak, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a big part of it part of the plot right which is kind yeah, of an interesting dynamic there's a lot more going on in the book it's i mean it's pretty long it's like f- almost 500 pages it's part of a trilogy too uh-huh yeah so the that so, trilogy. so they c- she can the author can spin up a lot of storylines and yeah. stuff which is kind of the problem with the movie if there is a problem is that there's kind of too much going on. <laughs> like, And it uh-huh. doesn't... Well, there's a lot going on, and it just doesn't tie up as nicely as you would want it to. Yeah, there, there are a couple things that I... J- questions that I have 
even still. Mm-hmm. Like, why did um, the sorcerer lady just decide to stop the war? Yeah. She's watching what they're doing through a crystal ball thing, and then she's like, well, time to end this silly war. It's, I mean, maybe it kind of, it makes it kind of seem like she's inspired by their love or something, mm-hmm. but it's not very clear. Here, Here's what I think it is. I think that she is, she feels like it's not her responsibility. Like the war isn't on her shoulders. It's not on her conscience. Yeah. She's like, look, these stupid people, politicians started this war Mm. it's their war they're gonna do it whatever i could stop it if i wanted to Mm because you know she's super powerful but i it's not my responsibility to Mm -hmm. um but it i could use this war to try to rein in howell because she she, he was her apprentice yeah yeah. and she and he has lots of potential you know yeah and she feels like he's kind of gone astray Mm-hmm. So she feels like she could use the war, mm-hmm. but once Sophie kind of fixes him in a way, yeah, uh, and she sees that in the crystal ball, she's like, "Well, she did it, so that's all right." Oh, that kind of makes well, sense. I might as well end the war then, because there's no point to having it. Right, right. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Which makes me not like her because she's just using all these innocent lives, you know. <laughs> it's right, like, right. She's like, you could have stopped the word any time, but she felt like it could maybe benefit her slightly, so she didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you, do you like this movie? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I don't think it's in my top three. Mm-hmm. Maybe my top five, but I think at this point, um, we're getting to the point where there's a lot of movies, so I don't want to list all. But I'll give a top three and bottom three sure. right now. I yeah. think top three, uh, I would say Spirited Away, Mononoke, and Only Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Bottom three, I would say The Cat Returns, Nausicaa, and My Neighbors, the Yamadas. Uh-huh. Are that is that in order? Mm, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, wait, did you say Howl's in there? No. Mm-hmm. Not, Howl's not is in my the top three. It's, yeah, somewhere high middle. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I feel like for me, too. High middle. I mean, it has a lot of great stuff in it. Like, the only thing that's kind of, uh, that is keeping it from being a top contender for me is that the plot lines just kind of get away from it. The plot does feel a little bit like Howl's Castle. It's kind of hodgepodge. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's so almost like there were, there were so many things in the book to choose from that Miyazaki just had to kind of choose yeah. the things that he liked. And it's interesting, this is the first uh, Miyazaki film that's based on a different person's work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything else has been pure Miyazaki, but this is Miyazaki mixed with what's her name? With Diana Wynne Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? I thought something else he did was an adaptation. Well, he's done adaptations of his own uh-huh. manga, like. Um, but what's Nausicaa. um my uh, my neighbor Totoro? I think that's just straight from his brain bean. Whoa, straight from his. 
Noggin Nugget? I, I think so. I mean, I read online that this is the first of his movies that's... I read that too, and I was like, what? Here's here's something that um that I liked. Uh, I liked the the weird like duck dog. Oh yeah, remember the? Oh yeah, I mean this movie has great creatures. Yeah, g- great new Mi- characters to <laughs> add to the Ghibli is canon. So good at coming up with creatures. Like oh yeah, he looked. He was like, I could include a dog. But dogs are so boring. I'm going to make dog 2.0. What are dogs missing? <laughs> they could obviously benefit from having duck legs. <laughs> and instead of barking, why don't we have it wheeze and uh, give it like kind of old man eyes? Uh, yeah, yeah. Super funny. Oh, and um, I loved the uh, Calcifer character yeah voiced by oh let's talk about the voice acting because oh it's so this good. might be my favorite voice acting of of a ghibli film yet oh yeah english vo- english voice acting yeah i mean we're talking christian bale yeah we're talking Christy emily B. mortimer mm-hmm. gene simmons oh yeah yeah billy crystal a young josh hutcherson yeah even throw in a little jenna malone in there oh throw her in there yeah can't hurt. Christian or Christian Bale was good, but especially um, Calcifer was. Yeah, Billy Crystal was perfect. Which with Billy Crystal. The dub for this film was managed by Pete Doctor. Who? This, this is a fresh fact. Yes. Who? I'll finish this fact off. Also Take it did away. Monsters Inc. Aaron, and I, up. I know you can do this fact I, justice. I already did. I know you can finish it off strong. I did it already. Oh. You weren't listening, but I said it. Oh. Monsters, Inc. and Up. Oh, yeah. Pixar. Yeah, Pixar Man. And, of course, uh, William Cristal was in Monsters Company. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was Green Ball Man. Yep. And he was really good in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, What else? What else? What else? In... I think that this it did explore um interesting themes. It kind of uh reminds one of Spirited Away a little bit. It I was thinking while watching it, you know, I thought Spirited Away had kind of a rambling, convoluted plot, but this one, man oh man, mm-hmm. has Spirited Away beaten on that count, if that's a way of doing words. Um but You thought that about Spirited Away? I, yeah, I thought, well, because... Were you afraid of of saying that because you thought that I might beat you up? No, well, I often thought, what's going on? You know, like, do, I do, don't know what's going on. I'm going to beat you up. Don't. I love Spirited Away. But No, but I, uh, I eventually wrap my mind around it. Well, because she's trying to get her parents unchanged into pigs. Yeah. Or however you? other good way Scott. you say that. She's trying to get her parents to be turned back into humans. Yeah. But she gets sidetracked. Of course she is. She gets sidetracked. And she's a kid. <laughs> okay. Scott, she's a kid. I. But after I realized that the reason she gets sidetracked is because she is so good and she's, you know, helping people along the way, then I liked it. Howl's Moving Castle, I also had 
the thought, what's going on, many times. And then I had to read about the plot afterwards, and it took me a little while to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much. Right. But I feel like the theme of, like, curses and, and having the curse lifted. Yeah. Mononoke. Yeah, which it, yeah, which is in a lot of uh, his films, is explored even more in this one. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess it's not uh, too too insightful or too, what's the word, like crazy uh, realization I had that curses are analogies for, you know, what ails us. Yeah. Some people, you know are young and bright-eyed and innocent and youthful, and then they go to college, and then they get hooked by the business bug, and they and they take business classes, and they read the four-hour work week, and then they're taking advantage of people to get money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like that's not unlike a curse. Or there's all sorts of curses. You can be cursed by not, not unlust. Unlike, not unlike the uh, Witch of the Waste. Yeah. Bitten, yeah. bitten by the greed bug. Yeah, bitten by the greed bug. You can be cursed by lust. You can be cursed by vanity. Mm-hmm. You can be cursed by immaturity. You can be cursed by your body looks ugly. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, and this is the, more than any other Miyazaki film, uh, is just all about them curses. Yeah. Every like every character in it has a curse basically. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mhm. And then but it all works out in the end when basically they're all what? They all have to s- get out of themselves like this the circumstances require them to grow as people and then that's what breaks their curse. Yeah. You know, and so it's not like this thing where the Except the, for turnip head. He was cursed with having a turnip head. And and what broke the curse was a kiss from his true love, which apparently was Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> there kissed, was a real would you will they won't they thing going on with them. You could feel it the whole time. Oh, sexual tension. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> that old, an lady. old lady in a turnip head scarecrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bow chicka bow bow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That was maybe my least favorite moment of the film. Is just out of nowhere she kisses him and then he. T- I would much have preferred it if he was just left a turnip head and you don't know. You're just like, well, he's just turnip head. That's uh-huh. just who he is. No, he's probably well, you had person... to find out what his curse was. Nah, I don't think so. Because mm. he's not. He's not a big character in it. Yeah. You don't really find out much about about um. What's the name of the boy? The boy's name is Meltor? No. No, Markle. Markle, yeah, that's it. Which I thought was funny because the character in the book that he's named after is Michael. Ah, but Miyazaki was like, <laughs> just like it's too normal. Yeah, Markle. <laughs> um, you don't find out much. I mean, what's his character arc? Is he cured of any curse? No. He's just a boy. I mean, he's, he's still he's still a kid. Yeah. 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 Um what he else? He still has plenty of time to to develop a curse. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's What's interesting your how in real life? Yeah. Oh jeez. Um probably turniped. Mhm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting how in a lot of Miyazaki films um or even movies. Oh. There are uh like big set pieces like castles like Castle in the Sky. Oh yeah. Um there's Howl's Castle. There's the uh bathhouse in Spirited Away. There's um the like uh pir- the pilot's place in Porco Rosso. Mm-hmm. The like that island. Yeah. There's uh, and Princess Mononoke, I guess there's the town. That's sort of the closest thing. Mm-hmm. But um, this, but this Iron Town is the only of all those you mentioned. This is the only one that, uh, in designing it, the animators were trying to make it very ugly. Mm. And they succeeded so much so that it almost has a. There's almost a beauty to its ugliness. Uh huh. I mean, there's a charm to its ugliness. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Were they, were they, are you just saying that or, or is that a fact? That's is that a stone I, cold fact? That's what I read. So I'll say that's a marshmallow jiggly fact. Mm, not that stone cold. Good. Yeah. That sounds real good. Yeah. Um, what else, what else is there to, <clears throat> to talk about? I'm someone, um, I was reading someone's thoughts and they pointed out that one thing that is so great about Miyazaki's films mm-hmm. is the how he handles exposition. Oh, I w- yeah, I wanted to talk about that because that struck me. In a in lot this of fantasy too. and sci-fi, um, which you could group those into one m- mega genre called speculative fiction, in mm-hmm. a lot of speculative fiction... I love speculative fiction, by the way. I feel like it's uh, <clears throat> so useful for exploring uh, hypotheticals oh, of, yeah. of humanity. Yeah, totally. That you can't in real-life fiction. But in, in a lot of them, um, they take, a, whether it's a book or a film, it takes a, they take a lot of time at the beginning to basically just say this is what it is mm-hmm. like okay you guys this is a kingdom and it's so cool because this kingdom was established in 1760 blorp uh, <laughs> by king william and they don't the, drive the cars they drive electric horses yeah or you know whatever <laughs> like but Miyazaki just starts. Yeah, he just plops you in. He and just is like plops you in. Yeah, gives you. He gives you enough, but it's mostly most of the exposition is dedicated to explaining characters and their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he yeah. he very Plot cleverly exposition. in the dialogue gets all that in, <laughs> like saying, like getting a character to say that this is Sophie's mother, this is her sister. Mm-hmm. You know, Howell is a famous wizard. You know, those but those just very things. quickly you get but along the way you get a sense for this world. And it's it's kind of a it's a cool world where it's like there's these roaming wizards and witches. Actually I was reading about the book 
and uh, on the somewhere near the beginning of the book, like the first page when they're just introducing the world, uh, Diana Wynne Jones says that well, the land, the kingdom they're in is called Ingery, mm-hmm. and it and it just says Ingery is the type of place where witches and wizards and invisibility cloaks and curses and potions actually exist. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of oh, fun. Oh, that's so British. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so Tolkien. Uh-huh. And yeah. that that was the idea, I think, in the book of this world, is it's just jam-packed with fantasy tropes. That That's so, like... <laughs> it, when was it written? Like, the 60s? 1986. 86. Oh, yeah. wow, okay. The year I, I was written. I... Oh. Yeah. In flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The year I was written in flesh with a with a screaming wail. With the brush of a womb. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. With a gasp and a wail. <laughs> and a and a blade. Mm-hmm. Cutting and a, and a flail. Yeah. Um I, I would just from that line alone, I would have guessed like earlier. Because it's that sounds like such a British English way of of saying it. Like, oh yeah, um, you like, can imagine Emma. This is a world. Emma Thompson saying it. Yeah, where wizards and talking rabbits exist. This is a like world. the yeah the fantasies that your mother has has told you at night. What if that were real? Yeah, join me on this fantastic journey. Yeah, and then you just go into it. But you forgot <laughs> to do a British accent. Oh yeah. It, this is a world <laughs> where wizards and rabbits actually exist. <laughs> what are you doing with your mouth? I don't know. That's pretty. That's pretty close. It's funny when you're doing. Uh, when you're here, here's how to be funny, Aaron. Oh, okay. let me teach you. Thanks. Yeah. If, when you're doing a British accent to try and sound classy, uh-huh, tell to me. accidentally do the Cockney accent. Kind of like Austin Powers. That's the whole idea of his character. Oh, he's funny. Yeah, you know Austin Powers. Funny yeah, guy. yeah. His his character is Cockney. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but saying classy British things, but with a Cockney accent, as if to uh, say British. All British accents are fancy. Yeah, because you can't distinguish. But what's the what's the phrase that that puts me into Cockney? It's a uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. There's nothing wrong with that. Um. Anyway, I don't want to do it now, though. Okay. Let's this talk w- about film. This cinematic experience <laughs> is about maturity, so let's be mature. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> this film had the strongest. Uh. What am I? What What is this? What is this that I'm saying? You're, oh, th- th- this movie was the biggest box office success in North America of any Studio Ghibli film. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably. Which I feel like is why a lot... I mean, I feel like a lot of people have seen this one. Yeah, I th- I feel the same way. I think it's uh, <clears throat> probably trading off of the excellent voice acting. Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of big names. Yeah. And uh, and it probably got good buzz just, just from the voice act- acting alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Made $235 million worldwide. That's really good, especially for back then. Yeah. 
This was 2004, by the way. Yeah, more than 10 years ago. Yep. 14 years ago. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Film, but it lost to... To... A Pixar? Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Wallace oh, and Gromit. that famous film. Yeah, that looking back, it's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but maybe it was good. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, but it's like... Howl's Moving Castle, people still remember it and love it. Yeah. Curse of the Were-Rabbit, people don't, you know, talk about that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's all the th- the thoughts that I thought. Hmm. Yeah. Overall, um, I'd say give it a... Thumb right in the air. I'll I'll throw one of mine up there too. Mm-hmm. That's two thumbs in the air. And uh and that's and that's a film. And and that's a <laughs> piece. Um We have should some we, um, should we uh let let's should we maybe um move on to our sadder topic yeah so um since the last time we we recorded um a uh a very uh good man named isao takahata passed away perhaps and it's very sad Perhaps one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. <clears throat> Died April 5th, 2018 of lung cancer at the age of 82. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about Isao Takahata. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about his life. And we're both on our phones pulling up... Um, like, <laughs> well, we did. Yeah, we did research, but we just want to make sure we get we get our facts straight. He was born October 29th, nineteen thirty-five, which means he was a young lad during, you know, World War Two. Mm-hmm. And um, he. How old was he when he died? Eighty-two. That's pretty old. Yeah, you know, he actually didn't look that old. Yeah. Um. I mean, whenever and I he, see him, he. He only retired, um, like, f- three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, so he was making films into his 70s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't say much. There's not much about his childhood, but we do know that he went to Tokyo University and studied French literature. Yes. Which introduced him to a little movie called Le Rat okay. et le Son. Is that right? I don't know, but it translates to the king and the mockingbird. I actually don't think it translates to that, but that's what the English title of the film. I feel like that was a pretty good pronunciation. I'm just looking at it, and uh, I still, in my 25 years on this earth, have not taken Le the time roi? to learn how to pronounce French words. Et l'oiseau. Well, because... Oh, I, I know you're supposed to leave yeah. out a lot of sounds. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure the rules of it, but that looks pretty good. 
It's a it's a movie. I haven't seen it. It looks bonkers. I want to see it. Is it animated? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an animated and That inspired him to get to get into movie. animation. It looks kind of experimental and stuff, which Takahata kind of was. Yeah. He totally. was into that. Yeah. And uh so he was like by golly, I want to make animated movies. But he it it seems like he didn't he was never an animator. He jumped. He started by being a director. Yeah, like he didn't kind of work his way up because it says he applied for a director position mm-hmm. at what was it? There are like multiple at Toy at Toy, which is like the big was like you know the big. It was like the Disney back then. Yeah, and he and he's. Started what would be his kind of curse throughout, truly throughout his career. Speaking of curses, and he was never cured of his perfectionism um, by directing The Great Adventure of Horace, Prince of the Sun, which I've looked into uh, quite a bit. I won't definitely, I'm going to see it. I've seen a lot of clips and read a lot about it. It's apparently inspired by... he. He's very interested in the Aboriginal people of Japan, which are called the Ainu, mm-hmm. and like in Princess Mononoke. <clears throat> yeah, and so he made this film, but it it's not about the Ainu. It's about kind of like this group of people in um, this kind of what's the word? Uh, Island. No, I'm I'm thinking of an adjective that means kind of nomadic, I guess. Nomadic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of nomadic people's like in northern in like Norway, Norway. Oh, I was going to say Norwegia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um I know I I've heard of those people. And it went way over budget. And he was apparently way kind of overly ambitious with it and it was a huge flop the sammy what the sammy people oh sammy or sami maybe sami yeah they're the uh they're all all over that northern kind of all over norwegia norwegia um swedenia um and like siberian niche <laughs> yeah lands yeah um, I think they went all the way over into Russia, but the the Sami. Maybe there's probably there's probably another. They're kind of nomadic, like they're not associated with any of the <coughs> ethnic peoples that like actually succeeded and yes. and conquered yeah. and like became the. Yeah, they look they look more. Uh, there's still a lot of Sa- of Sami or Sami people. Uh, I was actually looking into them the other day just because it's interesting. They're they're kind of they kind of look uh, Asiatic almost. Like uh, they have yeah. the. I forget what it's called. That eye fold, like the kind of Asian eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a racial trait, but I forget what it's called. The technical term. Um, but they, yeah, they were nomadic because they were reindeer yeah, uh, herders. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So he made a movie about about them or a bit set in that. About them because it was the closest thing to making a movie about the I knew, but he didn't want to make it about the I knew because it's like sensitive or something. Oh, okay. Um, and it was over budget and it was a flop and everything, but apparently it was 
there's a lot of like good things about it and looking back it, it really affected animation mm. then he jumps to another studio and meets Mr. Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, yeah. And he hires this young animator to work on some of his stuff. The start of a beautiful friendship slash... Mm, rivalry. Were, a friendly yeah, rivalry. A friendly rivalry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of two... Geniuses. Genius curmudgeons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... What was I going to say? They make these... They make these... Uh, Movies and miniseries about little girls, mm-hmm. starting with. Oh yeah, I was gonna say we we're probably gonna we're planning on on watching all those kind of odds and ends like the pre Ghibli era things for both Takahata and Miyazaki and yes. stuff. At the end, we're gonna go through all of the the Studio Ghibli films first, and then move on to that stuff. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in the future. So keep your ears open. Yeah, keep them peeled. Um, they made some movies about little girls. Pippi Longstocking. Is that what it was? Pippi Longstocking? That sounds right. Yeah. Pippi, uh, let me see. <coughs> yeah, but yeah, Pippi Longstocking. Him and Miyazaki did? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then Heidi, which if you've seen like the Shirley Temple movie, mm-hmm. it's like Heidi, like in the mountains. I don't know. I want to see all these though. Yeah. And then my... One of my all-time faves, Anne of Green Gables. Oh, uh, yeah. He adapted Anne of Green Gables. I'm not sure if Miyazaki helped him with that one. Uh, both he and Miyazaki uh, expressed interest in uh, working on Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, but then they took their their butts elsewhere. Mm-hmm. They went elsewhere, which is kind of... Uh, Interesting, because Little is Nemo that, is so good. It's is a classic. Little, yeah, it's really good. Is Little Nemo? Um, oh, it is. It's adapted from a comic. Yeah. Okay, a famous comic. Oh yeah. I you only can, know the movie because you know hardbound. It the art is beautiful. Really? Oh, it's really cool. Oh, add that but to it my costs list. like two hundred dollars. Okay, take that off my list. <laughs> Too late. It's already on your list. <laughs> Dang it! Why did I write this in pen? <laughs> um. So in in the in his uh in the Wikipedia entry for Takahata it says that he was more interested in animation as a medium. Don't you mean in our first-hand interviews with primary sources? <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> with uh our someone named uh, uh we Chieko. We Chieko. Um he was more interested in animation as a medium and wanted to write and direct for animated works rather than create animations himself. So that by that, it means to say he was very interested in it. Uh, like, like a director is very uh, interested in cinematography and lighting and stuff, but doesn't necessarily work the camera all the time. Oh, man. I want to be Takahata. <laughs> you know, I heard he can't even draw a smiley face. I heard the same thing. Yeah. He can't even pick He's up a pencil. He's never drawn He's in never his life. held a pencil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kidding. Why but, do you want to be Takahata? Well, think about it. I love animated films, but I can't draw anything uh-huh. good. But you love the... I, the 
promise and the, the I just want to think about it and just tell someone to make it and have them do all the work and I get all the credit. Yeah, I mean that's what he did his whole career. He was like he was like, "Man, you know what would be cool for animation? I mean, I know you guys are all doing the animation, but <laughs> what if what if we had like for the childhood scenes, we had it be kind of like simpler animation and then the grown-up scenes it's more uh it's more realistic animation and yeah. the animators are like all right we'll do it and then and then in my neighbor's the Yamada, it's like he was being like, a god <laughs> <laughs> just like i want just create this world for me yeah and then hundreds of people just start scribbling uh-huh. away and make you it. peon <laughs> go study safflowers and draw them for a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want safflowers now <laughs> no not good enough do more. Do do better safflowers. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I don't like safflowers anymore. Do uh, another flower. Make <laughs> up a flower that no one's ever thought of before that's more beautiful than all the flowers. Go. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. All of, I'm all of his it. movies. I'm just going to start applying for director jobs. It really was like, like Miyazaki had his very established style because he was the lead animator right on all of his movies i think so yeah he i mean he was there like he drew all the storyboards and everything so they all look the same but but every takahata movie it's like he's trying something different you know because he's just in love with the possibilities of animation yeah which i don't know actually that was one question i had about whether takahata can draw Mm -hmm. i'm sure he can didn't we see uh like a thing like a brief uh little documentary thing where he was talking about drawing the scene in Grave of the Fireflies where he where they're cutting into the melon? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And he was like I wanted to do it better in my next movie. But but even but, that but, I don't think he drew it. I think yeah, he said I yeah. wanted to have it done better and Right, right. I wanted to have them get it right next time. Yeah. Mhm. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting to speculate that he probably didn't know how to draw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can take that speculation to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then Miyazaki's like, um, and, and uh, Toshio Suzuki. There, they approach Takahata one day in a coffee shop, mm-hmm. and they say, "Hey, you want to make the best." animation studio the world has ever seen Mm -hmm. just kidding they probably didn't have that much foresight but they basically said hey you know this studio system that's been you know frustrating to work for straight butts yeah let's do our own thing and we can spread our wings and fly and it's probably miyazaki saying that part yeah and there's this cool italian engine called Jiburi, and it means a de- a hot desert wind, and we're gonna be like a friggin' hot desert wind all up in here, <laughs> blowing through the animation world, blowing socks off. And Takahata was like, "Hi!" <laughs> yeah, that's, and I then think, I think that's they a word actually for word. did it. I think that's a word for word recreation of of that meeting. Yeah, and he said, "Give me another coffee." Extra caffeine, because mm-hmm. let's get rolling on this right now. And then they pulled out a napkin, and on that napkin, there was the character design for raccoon testicles, 
for Totoro for blood and and barf Vomit. from lots of Miyazaki mo- movies for old ladies with big wrinkly noses. Mm-hmm. Cat bus was on there. Cat bus, uh, a little girl, witch girl, mm-hmm. and that napkin is now worth ten point eight billion dollars but here's the thing miyazaki hid the napkin and forgot where he put it and put a spell on it Uh uh-huh yeah so anyone who touched it would be turned into someone who can't tell a lie (laughs) (laughs) yep and no one's found that napkin to this day that's why everyone can tell lies that you see yeah. So be careful. Don't just trust anyone you see. Yeah. They might be telling you a lie. That's uh that's some advice. Yeah. That's some straight up advice from us. People can lie and they do. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. I don't know why they do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then and then Takahata was like, Oh, I guess I'll make Grave of the Fireflies and blow everyone's mind. Oh, now I guess I'll make Only Yesterday and Palm Poco and My Neighbors the Yamadas. And then I'll take 10 years to make a masterpiece. A masterpiece called The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Mm hmm. And then, and then he died of lung cancer. And I know that he did smoke. Uh huh. But he was 82. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good for someone who smoked. Yeah. So, our thanks to Isao Takahata. Yeah. He will be missed. I think he was equal in genius to Hayao Miyazaki. Yes. I want to read something about... Not as popular with the masses, but definitely equal in my mind. You know, Aaron, we should get some kind of a website or a Facebook page or something. (laughs) Because I want to find an interview with Miyazaki, uh, you know, about... Uh his colleagues passing well and then we could put it on our website or facebook page um maybe a facebook page would be good maybe we should just get a big bulletin board like in irl oh like in provo yeah and just just pin post articles on it or whatever and then people can comment yeah and then but for people who aren't here uh we could have like a webcam on it 24 7 yeah and maybe like a robotic arm that people could control to turn pages and stuff. Like if if we're just if it's just an article. Yeah, because I don't want to go through all the hassle of making a, a like a new Facebook page. Yeah, you know? that's a lot of work. Plus Cut the hassle. Plus Facebook's kind of dying right now. Oh yeah, Facebook's on its way out. Yeah, but maybe it w- maybe it would be good to make a Facebook page, but you'd have to do it because. I'm not good at Facebook. Or a website with Squarespace. Drag and drop, no questions ever. But um but Facebook I think feel like we should do a Facebook page. That's a uh, a good way for our fans <coughs> to interact with each other, you know? Yeah. Where they can talk about how cool they think the show is and how much they laughed and how much they were informed and how they're uh how their sleep schedules are yeah. and uh 
what their favorite sleep advice is for us at the end of the show. Sleep hygiene, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and how handsome they think we probably are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those things they can talk about. Yeah. Uh, well, get on that, Scott. Okay, fine. I guess I'm on the website committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm getting I'm getting a little a little tired. I have work tomorrow, and then I'm anticipating it, and uh, I want to get to bed early tonight. Well, I'm glad we did this uh, earlier. Uh, yeah. Than we usually do it. I imagine if I'm getting kind of tired. I think the, I think our nibblers out there get kind of tired. Oh, what was that? What was that? A little yawn I heard. I think I heard one of them yawn. I think it went through their headphones, into their iPods, and electronically went to the past where we are. Out of our out phones. Out of our microphones. Out of our microphones into our mouths. Yeah. <laughs> and that vibrated my. Ear yeah. strings vibrated the inner ear. Yeah, and so I heard, it was very faint. Yeah, but so, I think I heard it too. Yeah. Um. Oh, before we move on to closing segment, uh, we should head over to the uh, the corner. Oh yeah, the superlative corner. Doop boop boop doop boop boo. Hey, we're, we're here. here. Um. Superlative corner. This, hmm, shoot, I didn't even think about this. What do you think? Howl's Moving Castle is, hmm, yeah, I'm not sure. It's not the grown-upest. No. Because only yesterday is way more grown-up than yeah. Howl's yeah, Moving Castle. Yeah, it's not the maturest. Um, it, it just deals it, with that theme, but it might be good. the most magical. We've used that before, though, on one. I feel like. Yeah, but there's two different like ways. I feel like you can use magical. Magical yeah. can be like how it feels, or this one has the most straight up magic. Maybe the most wizardly, the most enchanting, the most convoluted, the most convoluted. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair one. It's kind of negative, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give it a negative one. A negative thing. Um, the most cursed. That's also kind of negative. The... The most... The best dubbed. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I'd say it is. Mm-hmm. So far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The best dubbed, but that's not about the actual. I mean, Princess Mononoke is pretty has a pretty dang good dub. Yeah, though. yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's not about the plot. The folk, folksiest, the folkloriest. No, I feel like that's Kiki's. Oh, folkloriest, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. The plottiest. Yeah. But that's kind of like convoluted. Convolutedist. The folksiest, I feel like, would be Kiki's Delivery Service. Isn't that kind of folksy feeling? Oh, uh, yeah, it totally is. But folklore-iest, maybe. 
Uh-huh. But that's not a word. Uh-huh. Um I said one of those uh things they're like tongue twisters but to like prepare you to act or whatever i don't to prepare you to prepare your voice and your diction red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather (laughs) yeah that's like the easiest joke like that will get me laughing every time, like in a movie or a TV show. If if there's a character who is about to go on TV or give a speech or something, and they take themselves too seriously, and they're just looking in the mirror, going, a thistle and a you know, saying a thing, it it makes me laugh every time. Uh oh oh. The ten, the tangentialiest, mm. the ten, speaking because we're on a tangent right now. That reminded me, is it the ten? Well, no, no my neighbors, a, the Yamadas, is more tangent, tangential. Yeah, plus it's not that tangential. It's just got like a lot of subplots, but they're all kind of going in the same direction. Yeah. Um. Oh, here's the one. Here's what uh, Dwight says on the office when he's preparing to go on the radio. I watch the office a lot. Yeah, that's sort of your go-to repeat viewing show. Yeah, like um <laughs> some people watch friends over and over. Yeah, it's you nice watch the office. it's nice to have something that you know like forwards and backwards so you don't have to pay attention. Yeah. It's just kind of on. It's kind of a wind down. Dwight w- is is like going to go on the radio and he's like blah 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 rat tat little tattled and prattled on a ba- on about a little metal bottle. She spat a bit of spit. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jim goes, "Dwight, in a bitter battle. Hey, hey, stop questioning my methods, okay? I was chosen for this task, blah blah blah." Tricky Siskel spat a bit of wicked biscuit. Spat <laughs> a bit of wicked biscuit. I could just imagine BJ Novak just making this stuff up, <laughs> cracking yeah. himself up. <laughs> That's really good. Um, okay, we'll just say the most convoluted. Yeah. Okay, let's go to superlative corner corner. Okay. We're here. Yeah. Um <laughs> I would say that was the most tangential superlative corner. Mm, I would say it was the most uh strained. Uh-huh. <laughs> it took us a long time to get there. Yeah. It was the hardest. Yeah. All right. Okay. We did it. Brush your teeth, get in bed, maybe a little l- limerick or some kind of a lullaby. Mhm. Maybe uh, write in your journal. Mm-hmm. Um, Get, maybe, keep your dream journal by your bedside. Yeah. You know? Maybe if you don't uh, believe in a God, maybe write down your uh, your wishes and desires on a paper and burn it. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Because life is meaningless and you're not going to get anything that you ever want. <laughs> That's not what I meant. But... Oh, just kidding. No, because you make your own meaning. Yeah, I meant it more of like that's a nice gesture and a good way to get your will out into the world. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't believe in God, just give up because life is meaningless. <laughs> Putin is he escaped? Uh, he's just he's just all around. Sometimes uh, you know he's creeping around. He creeps me out. He's a creepy guy. Like just something about his amoralness. Mm. It's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some weird stuff going on over there. The <sighs> times we live in, huh? But you know what I say about it? What skin to skin. Yeah.